Welcome back. Bob Black back with you. Sports Huddle on a Tuesday afternoon, a little past 20 after 4 o'clock, 106.1 ESPN. We normally promote, well, we do promote, and position this segment with Richmond Athletic Director John Hart. Normally is like 4.30 to 5, but John is always more than punctual. You must have learned this from your college playing days. Like if you're 10 minutes early, you're 5 minutes late. That kind of my dad was a high school coach. <laughs> that's where it came from. He instilled yeah, it in oh, you, right? Yeah, he uh, he lived by the Lombardi rule. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So since you're already here, let's get started. It's not even four thirty yet. We'll pay you double for what we normally would pay you for the half you're hour. A generous man, aren't I though? A generous man. I'm pretty good at the budget. I'm pretty good with the budget. All right. Let's start with a recap. Let's look back before we look forward. Uh, and we've mentioned this a couple times on the air. The data came out. The numbers came out for the um, 22-23 season. So Richmond finished sixth in the state in winning percentage overall, 133 and 110. The Spider women were sixth at a 57-46 clip, 55% winning percentage, and the men were 54%. So you know, pretty pretty comparable, 76 and 54, 64. Um, so those are the data numbers. The Director's Cup looked really good. Top Atlantic 10 team, about 110, I think, out of all schools, which is pretty solid, best it's been in a long time. Do those numbers translate to the athletic director's perspective on quality of year that the Spiders had? Uh, yeah, they sure do. They do, Bob. I mean, they're they're one of the indicators on the dashboard of whether you're having a successful season or not. But really, and, and you know this from all of your years with the Spiders, you, you really live in the moment, though, with teams. And it's uh, it's um, you know, you go from one game to the next, and I, I really don't come up for air really, except for between seasons. So uh, it's it, it, uh, while it didn't surprise me that we had such a successful season. Um, the fact that we were uh, so dominant when compared to all the rest of the A-10 was a surprise to me. But that's hmm. I think that's a reflection of how strong we finished this spring with, yeah. with those three championships. Mm-hmm. And I would say, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong in this kind of take on this, but kind of breakthrough years for at least a few programs, right? I would say you could say football had a breakthrough year. I know not in the Atlantic 10, but football had a breakthrough year. Women's basketball gets the postseason. I would call that breakthrough. And at least women's lacrosse, men's lacrosse has done what it did before, but women's lacrosse wins a game in the end. I mean, those three at least, would you say, you know, kind of breakthrough years? It's it's great progress when you see that kind of success, Bob. I mean, we we uh, have a broad-based program, as you know, and we, we're always striving to win championships. That's what we try to do at least once every uh, four years. So each of our student-athletes at, at Richmond get to experience that uh, thrill of competition in, in a championship. But um, but this year, I, I do think those were special um, special seasons for those programs. And, and I hope they're, they're the, just the indicator of the trend line that uh, those programs and our other programs are on. I think, you know, you look at, for example, women's basketball and Aaron Russell's work here. I think that's just uh, uh, yet another punctuation mark uh, as he builds a championship program with the Spiders. Mm-hmm. I think Ann Harrington and the women's lacrosse team, again, this this is no surprise that they broke through. It was just a matter of when, not if. I look at Dan Shimadi and what he's been, been doing with the men's lacrosse program. Again, he's been knocking at the door of the NCAA championship and winning a game there. 
uh, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. So, you know, I, I think every one of those programs is, is moving in the right direction. They've got great leadership. We try to give them uh, all the support we can, and, and they utilize it as best they can to provide our student-athletes with absolutely top-shelf competitive uh, experiences at Richmond. All right, so now what's the summertime challenge to cobble everybody together and say, okay, let's build upon what we did last year. Those are really good numbers that I rattled off, you know, winning percentages, wins, all of that. You spoke you know, eloquently about those teams. What do you do in the summertime with your coaches, with the athletes to say, okay, we need to build on this and 23-24 is getting ready to start? Well, the first thing I tell all of our staff, coaches included, is to get some, uh, some self-time hmm. and to get a little bit of relax and rejuvenation in there. And for those, uh, you know, get, get, get in touch with your family. You know, this, these hours that, uh, that all of us work, but particularly our coaches with recruiting, being on the road, the travel, you know, it, it really, uh, you know, has got to come at the expense of someplace. And a lot of times that's family time. So I, I encourage our, our staff to get back in touch with their family, enjoy some downtime, get those batteries recharged, and then let's get right back at it. Because I look at it, the analogy I use a lot of times is putting the foundation in, pl in place to build championship programs. And that's what a lot of our programs have bought into is that we have the pieces in place now and we're showing great signs of progress uh, with success. Now let's build those championship uh, memories. And so that's uh, a little bit different with every program, though. It's a little bit different depending on where you are. You know, I, hmm. I had a conversation, I guess it was uh, not too many days ago, with our, our new baseball coach, and he's in a whole different place. You know, right now he's learning names and uh, of his staff and of his, his team and trying to figure out uh, – you know, uh, what, what makes Richmond special so he can represent us well on the recruiting trail. And um, so everybody's at a, a little different place. Uh, you know, some have different challenges. I was just talking with Chris Mooney, and uh, he's doing very well. But I, I'm still, you know, I still have concerns. I feel like uh, I'm mm -hmm. his uh, father, you know, sometimes checking in with his, his health. But he's He's great. He, as a matter of fact, he's telling me he's going to be on the golf course for the first time in a long time here in the coming week. So I know he's looking forward to getting a little bit of rest and relaxation in this summer. But uh, there, there's really no wet rest for the weary. The, the truth of it is, Bob, uh, we're on a 12-month schedule, and we're all working you know, and moving our program forward, and uh, we're all working to, to achieve that champion-level success that uh, we talk to our student-athletes about so much. It's funny you bring up Coach Mooney. I actually ran into him in a local restaurant accidentally the other day, and we were catching up a little bit. And one of the things, obviously, you always say, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And to your point, he was said, fine, I'm doing great. And I kiddingly said, how long is it going to be before you start getting tired of that question from everybody? All well-wishers, obviously. But And he said, as long as my answer is still that I'm doing really well, you can keep asking that question, which was the answer. So uh, he is doing very well, right? And, and moving forward. He's, he's doing really well. He's, he's been ahead of uh, progress the whole time since, uh, since uh, his surgery, and uh, we wish him and his entire family well. And, again, I'm, I'm hoping I, he was talking about maybe getting away to a Major League Baseball game just to enjoy a little downtime with, with, with the boys, and I hope that happens uh, so we can uh, 
you know, hit the hardwood running when uh, when the fall season runs, uh, the fall semester comes around. His uh, his fillies and my fillies are doing quite well right now, so it would be a good time to take a trip. It, to... it was like I teed that up. You did, already. you did. No. Before the break, and we will look ahead, so let's ask about men's basketball for a moment. How do you kind of judge or analyze this past season, coming off a great year, NCAA year with veteran guys, different-looking roster, and then with what happened to Chris and how everybody handled that in the last month, obviously – didn't win as many games as we would like anybody on the program would tell you that but there were so many extenuating circumstances how do you kind of evaluate that and we'll put a wrap to 22 23 on that note yeah I I think you know it it has an asterisk no doubt about it I I think uh, the rest of the staff all stepped up the team stepped up but it was a a trying challenging circumstance and you could you could feel it particularly um, for those weeks immediately following the announcement of Chris's uh, his cardio issues. And so, um, you know, I, I think you assess it for what it's worth. It was a different time, different stresses, different trials, different tribulations. Uh, yet, you know, the, the guys played well, and uh, they had some nice wins in that, in that stretch. But I think uh, to a player, the ones that I've talked to, they've all said that, uh, you know, that's not the way anybody scripts the season to mm-hmm. end. And uh, they, I, I saw them come together. I saw them grow as a team. And I think they have a lot to build on, and I know they're all looking forward to, to building on those lessons learned last season as we prepare for the upcoming season. So, like I said, you know, it's it, it, to to our fans, our supporters, uh, our alums, it, it seems like the season's only a, a few months long. But the fact of the matter is, it it is a is a twelve month calendar, mm-hmm. and uh, we're always in preparation mode, and that's uh, there's no exception there. And basketball, as you know, has been been working out and uh you know everybody's like i said is excited about the guys coming back and the guys joining the program and we're looking forward you know to to seeing them in action here this upcoming season we will flip the calendar to 23 24 verbally when we come back after the break and we'll look ahead with richmond athletic director john hart we continue the sports huddle 1061 espn the Atlanta Braves are rolling with their sights set on a sixth straight division title and their second championship in three years. Catch the action here on 1061 ESPN Richmond, your home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. All right, welcome back. It is uh, Spider Hour, which happens often on the sports huddle. Uh, 1061 ESPN, and as you just heard, all the games coming your way. We never really did make that formal announcement and a big deal about that because it's been going on for so long now, but with John Hart in the studio, might as well officially make that announcement. Another three-year deal um, for Richmond Spider Athletics right here on ESPN Richmond, which will bring us, John, you probably didn't even know this, to 20 consecutive years Twenty years. on this I don't want to say this radio station because our dial frequency has changed, positioning has changed, but the ESPN brand and this group of radio, same station really for 20 years, which is a long time. It's incredible, and it's a reflection of what a terrific job you and the crew here do, Bob. As you know, I'm one of your biggest fans, and I, I, <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I love listening to you, and I think you just do a great job. I've so. had other athletic directors. I wasn't their biggest fan, that's for sure. <laughs> ah, that's for sure. So I appreciate, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, all right, let's get back into more serious matters. So let, in looking ahead, let me start here, and this may throw you a little curveball, and our audience probably a curveball. It's going to say, all right, I can start with football or even men's basketball. They're the sports we talk about the most. But you've brought in 
two new coaches, two new head coaches, um, Adam Denton, women's soccer, and Mick Aoki for baseball. What are the expectations for programs in your mind that bring in new head coaches like those two? Exactly what I was referring to in the earlier segment, Bob. You know, we go out there and do national searches and scour the country looking for folks who are committed to the scholar-athlete model and building championship programs. And that's exactly what we uh, we found with both of our new coaches in both baseball and women's soccer. Now, again, neither of them's played one coach been on the sideline or in the dugout for one spider game yet, but they all have uh, both have great pedigrees and have won at high academic institutions and uh, have done it pretty consistently over the course of their career. So uh, it, it's just a coincidence that both of them have that Davidson mm-hmm. connection, yeah. which. Uh, you know, uh, I have always said that of all the schools in the league, I, I feel like we have the most common ground with, with Davidson College, and I think that's reflected in uh, in these two individuals, too, who both spent uh, several years at Davidson. One is a player and, and one is a, a coach in the women's soccer program. You referred a couple times, and, and rightfully so, particularly at Richmond or at Davidson, to the scholar-athlete, to the student-athlete. I don't really know how to phrase the question with all the talk that we've had recently about uh, Transfer Portal, NIL, Transformation Committee, which I have brought our listeners in on a little bit more of late, having been in on a couple of of very educational sessions about that. Um, How challenging is it going to be to keep that model and continue to attain the other goal that you have, which is to compete for championships? You know where I'm kind of headed with this and where college athletics is headed and how much of a concern is that well bob it's a great set of issues and they're a complicated and complex set of issues but the big takeaways for me are um it really plays into the university of richmond spider athletic strengths with the ncaa transformation committee moving to a holistic student athlete model where they're all about providing support to the whole student and athlete, both sides of the equation. And as you know, that's a hallmark of Spider Athletics where we're trying to develop each of our student athletes to the ultimate um, aspect possible in all facets, whether it's in their sport, the classroom, in research, in, in their, uh, as, as far as their leadership development, as far as their career preparation. We have comprehensive programs for all those areas and so much more at the University of Richmond. So I really do think the NCAA shift in focus on the developing the holistic student athlete is really going to play right into our wheelhouse. Now, the other piece of it is, um, you know, the, with the transfer, transfer portal, I think, and I saw an article actually in today's uh, Richmond Times-Dispatch quoting Russ Huseman about um, that we are advantaged in the sense of as a high academic institution, we have a lot of stickiness with our students and and their families. Um, I think most of our student athletes choose the University of Richmond and Spider Athletics because of our great reputation uh, academically, and they tend to stay with us because of that uh, reputation until they get that Richmond diploma. And so uh, I think Russ is particularly acutely aware of it because he's seen a clear trend line there where he can count on guys being in our program uh, at least till they get that Richmond diploma. And then they might look up and see if there's some other opportunities. And, you know, at that point, I, I think we have to kind of salute them because they've done what we've asked them to do. They've given us four or five 
really good years of hard work and effort. And uh, they've done it both on the playing field and in the classroom. And so if they get an opportunity, uh, like Kobe did, looking at Wake, mm-hmm. you know, who, who can hold that against them? Mm-hmm. And they're still, uh, you know, proud Spider alums representing the university well. And so, uh, you know, as an athletic director, I always hate to see our Spiders go. On the other hand, when they do everything that you've asked of them and then, you know, transfer that for that last year of eligibility, you know, you, you really can't hold, hold anything against them or bear a grudge. So when it's the other scenario, when some of them – do depart prematurely how now are you attacking that i mean obviously we can use men's basketball as an example to lose the three undergraduates that we lost this year is it now just hey that's typical that's what's happening look at other programs or is it you know how do we try and make sure this doesn't happen moving forward well and and i didn't know if we were going to take a deep dive on the transfer portal or not today, Bob, but I assume we talk a little bit about it. Um, I think it bears out in the numbers in the uh, when you look at the transfer portal that men's basketball is heavily, heavily impacted as a percentage of the participants nationally who are making transfer moves. So I kind of look like at that particular sport in that particular situation uh, as being a little bit unique to the hardwood, and hmm. it just seems to be – um, the culture of that sport to have a lot of movement right now. And I think it has to do with, uh, you know, players wanting to get their playing time as soon as they possibly can. And if for one reason or another that's not working out their current institution, into the portal they go at a lot of places uh, looking for an opportunity where they can get that playing time. So the transfer portal, as I've said on this show many times, is a two-way street. There are those going out. Uh, They get well-documented, but then there are those coming in. And if my numbers are correct, men's basketball has three coming in. Women's basketball has three coming in. Football has six coming in. I know that one for sure because we just recorded interviews with all six of them, which will be on richmondspiders.com before too long. A shameless plug, but you'll get to meet some of the new uh, football transfers. And we've been having the men's basketball transfers on this show each the past couple of Fridays, and we'll keep that going. Is that an expectation now that – you know, Richmond, like many schools, never really took a whole lot of transfers, but the landscape has changed tremendously. Are you as the AD comfortable with those kind of numbers of incoming transfers? Yeah, yeah, I am, and it breaks down a little bit further than that, Bob, because it's not all transfers are created equal or from <laughs> the same background. We've had great success with graduate transfers, particularly with the, uh, the pandemic years of eligibility mm-hmm. that the NCA has tacked on to all student athletes. And so they're looking for a high quality place to get a graduate uh, degree. And it just so happens that the University of Richmond has several uh, wonderful graduate uh, student programs to choose from. And so we've had a, t- a ton of success uh, looking to other high academic schools, whether it be the Ivy League, the Patriot League, or schools like Vanderbilt or Northwestern or Duke. Uh, with their uh, student athletes getting their degree at their undergraduate school and then transferring to Richmond to get that graduate degree. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I see that trend definitely, definitely uh, continuing. Uh, and it looks to me as though we still haven't kind of normalized with what we can expect from year to year when it comes to just general transfers. But I don't see it settling down a whole lot anytime soon, mm. particularly in the sports of basketball and football, because that's what the the trend line is nationally. Um, The other sports, uh, we we haven't varied too much. I I think we've taken advantage of the graduate transfers and others um, in a sport like baseball. Um, But I think for the most part, 
we're still a little bit of a traditional model in the majority of our, our programs compared to other uh, programs across the country. Good to hear, as a traditionalist that I am. That is certainly good to hear. One more before before the break here, and you mentioned this holistic approach that, that the NCAA, that schools are going to have to take moving forward. Uh, and as I've mentioned to our audience, uh, I'm you know, fortunate enough to be in some of those educational meetings and not giving away the secret sauce or anything, but I came out of one of those in which the topic of conversation was the Transformation Committee and things that are changing. Again, the pendulum swinging way in the favor of the of the student athlete i came out of that meeting a little fearful not necessarily for us for the university of richmond that there are division one schools that are going to get priced out that they're just not going to be able to afford to be able to be division one schools anymore am i off base there or is that a legitimate fear bob the ncaa was absolutely clear in saying that they are raising the expectations and then therefore the bar as far as the amount of resources and focus that need to be devoted to the, the holistic development of student athletes. So you are hearing and interpreting that correctly. Hmm. Um, the good news is, again, we have a long tradition of, of providing those types of services and support to our student athletes at Richmond. So I feel as though we're in a very good place. But I do think when you look across the national landscape, there are going to be some schools scrambling to meet those expectations and to provide those services and commit those additional hmm. resources that'll be necessary. Um, you know, one of the things we're talking about to give you know our listeners a little bit of better sense is, you know, mental health is incredibly important right now uh, across well across the country, but particularly in the intercollegiate athletic space, and it's very very much uh, on the minds as a priority of our student athletes. So, you know, four years ago, we as an institution devo devoted the resources to hire our first uh, full-time sports psychologist who works with all of our programs. Well, if you look in the Transformation Committee's uh, recommendations or the actually requirements down the road, they're going to require everyone to have a dedicated sports mm. psychologist in their athletics program. And I would point to that, and there are other examples where we've been just a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to, you know, treating our spider student athletes in a, in a you know, whole person, holistically developed, you know, program uh, sort of orientation. And uh, I think a great example is that is when we launched the Student Athlete Leadership Program, which is uh, all about developing aspects off the playing field and off the playing courts of our student athletes that will carry them through their careers after athletics. Yeah. And that was, let me do one more thing, and then we've got to get the break because we're only going to have a minute to say goodbye on the other side, probably. And maybe this has already been going on, and I'm just, you know, naive and, and ignorant and all, and I just broadcast games and have fun with it. But the amount of resources that still had to be dedicated to the student athletes after they were gone from the universities. And is that kind of exponentially increasing now, whether that be to finish out their scholarship, to get their degree, you know, several years after they've left that particular school or, or medical insurance that they continue to get that kind of thing. That's where I got a little taken aback. Or how, how are schools going to afford all this? Well, again, I, I think every school's got a different history and a different culture. At the University of Richmond, we've always been really uh, strong on our persistence rates and our graduation rates, which mm -hmm. means it's a very small percentage of our former athletes and our former students who don't obtain a University of Richmond diploma. But we've also gone after and identified those people and reached out to them. I think Bruce Matthews and his shop has been tr tremendously aggressive in being advocates for student athletes 
who uh, didn't get their degree for one reason or another. Maybe they pursued a professional career. Maybe they had some family issues, whatever the, the, the situation is, to reaching out to them and getting them back connected to the university and finishing those degrees. So I think we've been doing this for a very long time Good. and doing very well mm -hmm. at the University of Richmond. And so I do see this as being part and parcel. Now, this insurance coverage, we're still working out and seeing what that entails. Uh, nobody's got clear, crisp <laughs> answers when it comes to insurance, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but it, it looks like now there's going to be some additional coverage beyond uh, the, the uh, for the student athletes beyond when their uh, competition and practice mm. days are over. So wow. we'll we'll have to figure that one out a little bit because that is new for all of us. Uh, but uh, rest assured, we will continue to be focused on you know our scholar athlete model and developing the whole student athlete here at Richmond. Deep stuff today, John. We'll, you never know where we're going to go, Bob. You don't. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we'll finish up with some fun stuff, on-the-field stuff, when we finish up with Richmond Athletic Director John Hart next on the Sports Huddle. Go Braves! The Braves are back from the All-Star break, and all eyes are on the postseason. How far can they go? Listen and find out with us here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves. 106.1 ESP. because we went so long in the first two segments this is going to be real short so john uh how's football going to be this year let's wrap it up with that well, i'm excited what do you we've think got, we've got a veteran squad coming back and uh, really good depth but i think there's some question marks you know anytime you you have uh, questions regarding your quarterback situation with a new quarterback under center um i think that keeps people pretty engaged and interested but we've got a lot of talented skill position players coming back i like what i see up front uh, I mean, we, we probably have as good of uh, offensive line coming back as anybody in our league and probably the country, quite frankly. And, and then on the defensive side of the ball, which is near and dear to my heart, uh, I think we stack up with, uh, you know, our, anyone in our league. And uh, I think we're poised to have a very, very solid, strong, successful season. Championships are won in the trenches, Coach. You know that, right? And I do think our offensive and defensive lines are both – talented experienced and for an fcs level team pretty deep yeah i think so too so you never know that that funny shaped ball takes some all sorts of bounces <laughs> but uh boy we look we look really tough up front on both sides mm -hmm. of the ball and i agree completely that that's where it all starts and uh, i think we're going to have enough uh, skill position guys to score enough points to to win several several ball games this year. We look forward to it. We look forward to your next appearance with us on the Sports Auto. Come back soon, all right? I will do that, Bob. Always a pleasure to be your guest. Richmond Athletic Director John Hart on a myriad of topics this afternoon on the Sports Huddle. We'll take a break. We get you to the top of the hour. ESPN Sports Center update at 5. And then the 5 o'clock hour of the Tuesday Sports Huddle is coming your way. Thanks again to Richmond Athletic Director John Hart. The 5 o'clock hour of the Huddle right after the top of the hour break on 1061 ESPN. Hi, we're comparing insurance agents.